Here's a quote from an article uh, written by our next guest just a few days ago. Quote, due to high inflation, prices for food, housing, and other necessities have risen, squeezing household budgets across Canada. But no bill has increased for the average Canadian family more than the tax bill. In fact, taxes represented the single biggest expense for Canadian families in 2021. The title of the article, Prices for Basic Necessities Rose, but tax bills grew faster. The author is Jake Fuss. Mr. Fuss is the Associate Director for Fiscal Studies at the Fraser Institute. And Jake joins us again this morning from Calgary. Jake, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's good to have you back with us. This whole business of the uh, the tax necessities and, and the, the largest part of the Canadian family's expenditure on an annual basis as recently as last year being taxation. Break it down for us, Jake. How does it flow across municipal, federal, and provincial uh, lines, for example? Yeah, well, it can be challenging for Canadian families to calculate all the various taxes they pay. That's why every year we calculate the total tax bill for them. And in 2021, we found the average Canadian family paid roughly 43% of their annual income in taxes. Now, the vast majority of this is paid at the federal level, so roughly over half of the amount that we pay in taxes goes to the federal government. Okay. In comparison, uh, roughly about a third of our, inc- of our income taxes and other forms of taxes go to provincial governments, and then the remainder goes to municipal governments on average. Right. And of course, they're not all called taxes. And that's why, uh, to the extent that politicians can, they think they're being too clever by half by calling them fees and other, uh, uh, other words. But ultimately, they get added to the tax bill, don't they? Yeah, there's several different types of taxes. Some of these are hidden or less visible than others. Um, So, you know, not only do we pay personal income taxes, we also pay property taxes, payroll taxes, fuel taxes at the pump, um, you know, sales taxes when you're buying goods. And even things like you mentioned with fees, um, when you go to renew your motor vehicle license um, or other things like that, too, you can pay these fees that are really a form of taxation as well. Another factor to consider, again, I'm quoting from your article here, Jake, another factor to consider is the recent budget deficits run by Canadian governments. Today's deficit spending means higher taxes tomorrow. So the tax bill for Canadian families will likely increase in the future rather than decrease, close quote. That's a pretty standalone kind of shocking reality that we're more or less coming to terms with in terms of deficit spending, although the government is doing its level best to persuade us that it was all, first, very necessary, and two, it's completely under control. Well, I mean, if we look at the, you know, the federal and provincial governments across Canada, many of them have reverted to deficits to finance growing expenditures in recent years. Yep. So it wasn't just during the height of covid um, during 2020 and 2021. We're also seeing it this year in 2022. Um, but we know that these large deficits have to be paid for by taxes at some point in the future. Um, so we're essentially calling deficits a form of deferred taxation. We're, we're kicking this can down the road, um, but eventually that could mean that the total tax bill for average families is going to have to increase um, to, to pay for the debt accumulation that we've seen and rising interest payments over time. Right. And of course, the rationale coming from the government side of the equation, Jake, is always about, well, you know, uh, you're, you're expecting services from us, and this is the price of your citizenship. If you want government services in your life, then you pay taxes for all sorts of services, including national defense and so on and so forth. That, of course, is all well and good uh, as far as it goes. But what they're not talking about is the services 
that we're paying for and expecting, well, especially at the federal level and especially glaring examples recently, Jake, are nowhere near what they should be. That's the basic that you that the expectation as a taxpayer you have. For example, if I apply for a passport, I should be able to get one in a couple of weeks, not a couple of years. Well, I mean, of course, you know, taxes do pay for important public services. Um, but, you know, I think it's also important to consider where the money is going and how effective that spending is. Um, so if we look at health care spending, for instance, that's grown considerably in recent years. Yep. Um, but, you know, we have long wait times, especially in comparison to other universal health care countries. Um, so really, each Canadian should evaluate the quality of services they're receiving and weigh it against how much they pay in taxes. Ultimately, you know, Canadians can decide for themselves if they're getting value for their tax dollars. Uh, so I think that's the really important part of the, the equation here. So not only how much you're paying in taxes, but, you know, what you're getting for it, too. Interesting. We had Patrick Brathauer, the uh, tax and fiscal policy guy from the Globe and Mail, on with us in our first hour this morning, Jake. And he was talking about the hiring spree at the federal level that has taken place uh, since the Liberals came back into power in 2015, but is particularly uh, since pandemic uh, has been with us now for the last couple of years. And the growth in the federal civil service has been absolutely astonishing to the tune of about 90 percent of these inflated job numbers that they're so uh, quick to 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 point to uh, in uh, as examples of our our of economy being fulsome with all of this employment going on. A lot of it is civil service jobs at the federal level. That's a direct hit on taxpayers. Yeah, I mean what what we see. I mean, some of my colleagues did a similar research where they found that the public sector accounted for basically eighty seven percent of all net new jobs mm-hmm. created since the start of the pandemic. Um, so and almost no net job creation really in the private sector during that time, which is certainly a concern. Um, so that's something that we're seeing. So it, it is a factor, too. It's not only, you know, how much we're paying in taxes. Like I said, you know, it's also what we're getting for this. And are we actually improving the economy over time? Are we getting job creation for people? Are we getting wage growth for people over time? Those are all really important considerations um, when we're evaluating um, government performance and economic performance in Canada. You In, in, in the article you wrote uh, a few days ago, Jake, you talked about comparisons with 1961, which is uh, I, I, I almost a fantasy because most of your readers wouldn't have been around in 1961. But you talk about the expectations on the taxpayer back in the 60s versus the expectations and the results for taxpayers these days. And it's quite a jaw-dropping comparison, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, it was obviously a long time ago and, and circumstances have changed over time. But um, if we look at 1961, for instance, um, roughly about a third of the average family's income was spent on taxes. Um, And we compare that to how much they spent on basic necessities, roughly about half of their income went to paying for food, shelter and clothing. Um, Now, what we see in today's time is this situation is basically reversed. Basic necessities now amount to about 36% of the average income for a family, um, whereas taxes now have risen considerably um, and consume well over a third and almost a half of your income now. So it's quite a different circumstances than what we saw in the 1960s. Um, where, you know, the, the amount of taxes that you're paying has really risen, um, whereas basic necessities have, have gone down in terms of the amount of income um, that you're actually spending on, on those 
food, shelter, and clothing. Yeah, Jake, final question to you, and we're grateful to, get, to have you get up early on a Saturday to do this with us. It's happening right now in Quebec, and inevitably it's going to happen at the national level within the next couple of years. The All of those vying for uh, roles in Quebec politics, uh, the election is a week from Monday, they're all about tax cuts. Vote for me, and we're going to cut your taxes. Well, all very well and good, and incredibly popular with voters. Who's going to argue with a tax cut? But the Quebec government continues at a, at a, a record-breaking pace to borrow money to spend on social programs which they have no shortage of. So how do you square that circle? D- reduce taxes and yet increase debt loads. So somewhere along the line, taxpayers are going to be responsible for that increased debt load. Yeah, I mean, it, it ultimately it goes back to what I was saying, you know, about, you know, when you're reverting to have to run deficits to finance either, you know, growing expenditures or other things, um, you know, there is this realization that at some point, the, you know, the, the bill is going to come due. You're going to have to pay higher taxes in the future. Um, you know, there are positives that can come from reducing taxes. Sure. But at the same time, you do need to consider, um, you know, consequences of if you're financing that through debt. Um, that's not really a, a true tax cut necessarily. Um, so, you know, there are important considerations when you are incurring debt. Um, to either finance growing expenditures or or go through with tax cuts. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different considerations and factors at play um, when you're running these deficits. So we're looking for people who promise tax cuts, but also corresponding decline in spending to maybe offset those tax cuts and keep the numbers somewhat uh, even. Well, yeah, I mean, it's ultimately about, you know, what is your plan to, to fund um, different things? So, you know, if, if you're just increasing expenditures or you're making different uh, policy changes without really compensating for, you know, how we're actually going to finance this, um, then, then there can be a lot of concerns over the long term um, because you're not really paying for one thing or, you know, another way. Um, it's really about having, you know, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too, um, which necessarily doesn't always work um, in the longer term. Um, and you can get into some sticky situations in the future if you, you incur another recession or something like that. Um, so that, that would really be the concern um, over the long term. Yeah, have your cake and eat it too. Amazing how many voters think that's actually possible. Friends, the article is entitled Prices for Basic Necessities Rose, but Tax Bills Grew Faster. It's a good read, written by Jake Fuss. Our guest in Calgary this morning, Mr. Fuss, the Associate Director of Fiscal Studies at the Fraser Institute. Jake, thanks for this. Good to have you on the show again. Thanks very much for having me on. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.